So has anybody been skydiving before? Skydiving was something that I was particularly afraid of. Has anyone heard this story, by the way? Who's heard me speak? Has anyone heard me speak? Has anyone come to one of my events? Cool, so you guys want to have heard this story, so that's awesome. So yeah, I jumped out of an airplane, I went to this Tony Robbins event, and he's like, the only way to trump fear is to take massive action. So I booked in a skydive the next day. If you asked me before, would I go skydiving? I would have said, I don't see the point in that. I'm not gonna get anything out of it. I don't like heights, why would I jump out of an airplane, right? The thing is, like, the only reason that I'm still here today is because of that guy that was on the back. He knew exactly when to open the chute. He knew where we were going to land. I didn't know any of that stuff. I was just absolutely ter terrified. And I think, well, I think that a lot of us are going into social media without a plan. And I think that's probably where we should start. It's the biggest mistake. I want us to practice what we preach from the beginning. So I'm going to ask you to get social. So everybody stand up. And I think it's probably going to be easiest if you face the back of the room. And I want you all to take a selfie to post on social media. These are my social media handles. These are the hashtags you can use. Come on, everyone. You don't, I mean, you don't have to do it, but don't be a spoil sport. Well done, guys. First exercise complete. I'm not going to repeat what's on the screen there, but this is something that I want to talk about today. Why do you think that statement might be true? Well, they only care about themselves, right? So if your content identifies their problem that they're having or gives them a solution or an insight that they're interested in, then they might be interested in it. But I think most people, if, they, if you ask them, they'll say, yeah, it's all about other people, it's all about the fans. But when you read it, it's very self-serving. People get a lot of their human needs fulfilled through social media. And I think that, you know, when you're in business, it's hard, you know, you struggle a lot in business. And if you're, if you're struggling to get sales and you post something and you get like 20 likes and 15 comments on your post, and it feels kind of good, and you want to do it again, before you know it, your day becomes about getting those posts, getting those likes and comments to make yourself feel good, because you're actually not getting the business results that you want. I think this is probably more relevant for, for startups and small businesses, which I think probably a lot of us are. Uh, I certainly am. So you've got two choices. You can either be unfocused or focused. People say to me, well, you can't have a, how can you have a, a content marketing plan or a social media plan? It's always changing. And, and I ask them, I say, well, what's changing? They're like, oh, social media, different platforms, different this, different that, blah, 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 blah. But your audience shouldn't be changing, should it? And so the platforms can change, but um, they shouldn't be changing that much. If, if they are changing that much, I'd be concerned that you don't have a well-defined audience. Because people aren't switching Snapchat and then the next month Facebook and then they're back on LinkedIn. It doesn't really work like that. So if you're unfocused, you're reactive. You're not proactive. You're not in control. You're unsure about the future. You're not thinking about the long term. You've got no breathing room. Whereas when you're focused, you're relaxed and calm and you can make like informed decisions. You know what to say no to. Whereas when you don't have a plan, everything could be a yes. Procrastination. How many of us can get procrastinate on social media? I know I can. It's so easy if you don't know what you're doing on there to get lost in the newsfeed and waste a whole bunch of time. That's a huge one. Whereas uh, some, someone that's focused loves taking action because they know it's meaningful and they know what they're doing. Strategy, step one. So if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. We've all heard that before. I think that's an obvious one. But it, how, how do you actually come up with a content marketing plan? And I can't go into all of the detail in the short time that we've got together, but it, it does start with your audience. You, before you do anything else, you have to define who your audience is. We, most of us already actually have an, an audience, whether we realize it or not. Um, so it's not about going out and like creating this avatar of somebody you'd like to have in your audience. It's actually about communicating with the people that are already there and finding out what it is that keeps them up at night, what are their fears, what are their frustrations, and how can you help them? Because if you can't help them, maybe they're the wrong audience. Maybe it's, you, know, you should be look, focusing on something else. 
these things change the way that we communicate. Has anyone spent longer than half an hour away from their mobile device in the last 24 hours? <laughs> One man, well done. That's awesome, by the way. <coughs> well done. It's fundamentally changed the way we, that we communicate. And as people are making buying decisions online with the mobile devices, it's completely changed things as well. They say that um, the customer journey is 70% done online now. So in B2B transactions, by the time you meet up with a salesperson, they've 70% way through the sales process. Are first impressions happening online or offline? Before, it was like the first seven seconds when you meet someone, isn't it? Um, and it would be if you, if you didn't like research them online. But the reality is if you go into a business meeting, a lot of people Google you first. What do they see at the top of the search results? <laughs> After the ads. <laughs> it's probably your LinkedIn profile, right? If they're searching for your name. And then they go to your LinkedIn profile and it looks like a CV. It's not really doing anything to you know, communicate with your customers. And so it's really important. In that instance, it's more important than a website. This is the first thing people will see. And when people are searching for your name, they're already like way down the customer journey. A lot of people could be losing customers right down where they're in the decision-making process because of what they're finding when they Google them. Have you, anybody heard of the mere exposure effect? Awesome. The mere exposure effect is a psychological phenomenon by which people tend to develop a preference for things merely because they are familiar with them. In social psychology, this effect is sometimes called the familiarity principle. Okay, so they used to say 20, 15, 20 years ago that you need five exposures with a brand before you feel familiar enough with them to want to do business with them. Now it's about 23 exposures on average. Okay, so it's a lot more and it will increase as well. So one way of looking at social media is how do I get 23 exposures in front of my target audience so that I'm familiar enough with them for them to want to do business with me? That's one way of looking at it. But you've got to tread carefully, right? Because you can mess this up. Because if you put 23 calls to action in front of someone, you're going to piss them off, right? <laughs> so you've got to do it in a way that adds value. And you're going to hear me talking a lot about this. My friends used to go fishing. I didn't really like fishing very much. Never had any luck. So I pretty much used to throw the bait and the, throw the lure in or whatever you call it and crack open a beer and just hang out with my mates. Was I going to catch any fish? No. Was I fishing? Yes. I wasn't giving the fish anything that they wanted. If anything, I was scaring them away. And I think we need to stop throwing crap out there online and start giving people what they want in order to catch some fish, if that makes sense. Okay, this bloke here, I can't, I'm not gonna try and pronounce his name. Anyone guess what he might have invented? <laughs> this guy invented sliced bread, believe it or not really good at creating this like technology or i guess innovation 15 years couldn't get it to market right this company comes along and it does it within 18 months back in the day wonder bread because they knew how to communicate to an audience and they knew how to tell a story so we spend most of our waking hours either thinking up stories or consuming them customer journey um, is is also something that you need to consider so uh, You've got awareness, interest, decision, and action. When you're posting on LinkedIn from your personal profile, where do you think people are mainly going to be in the customer journey who are, who are consuming that content? It's going to be A and I. Yeah, well, yes, that's right. I mean, it sort of gives it away, doesn't it, the way the funnel's shaped? But, you know, yeah, awareness. So if you target people that are in the decision process, uh, stage of the customer journey, you'll give them, like, 
testimonials, case studies, things which people will push them over the edge when they're considering making a decision. But if you do that, it's only going to appeal to such a small portion of your audience that you're not going to get any traction, not going to get any engagement. You can do it on like Facebook if you're remarketing, say, to somebody that's watched like 50% of your videos or they've been to your website a few times or you, you have some indication that they're further down the customer journey. But if you're just posting organic content and you're not sponsoring it and you're doing it on, on LinkedIn or any other channel for that matter, you have to cater for the awareness stage. That's the only way you're going to capture enough people. They're going to give it engagement to boost it. And we all know how the algorithms work. The, you, uh, uh, social media sites, same as the search engines, they want to give the users a good experience. So how do they define what content is going to be most relevant to the people that are you know, in the newsfeed? Is by engagement. They want people to engage on the platform. That's the way they're going to stay on there longer. They don't want, LinkedIn doesn't want people leaving and going to Facebook. They want people staying on there. If it serves your post to, say, 50 people, and you get six or seven likes, four or five comments, they go, OK, that's reasonably engaging. We'll show it to 500 people. You get some more likes, more comments, and percentages are very similar. Then it's going to show it to more people. And if your percentages are higher than 10%, you could go viral. You can do that on LinkedIn. You can't really do that on Facebook anymore. What sort of things do you think we discuss at the awareness stage? Any ideas? At the awareness stage, what is it that they're going to be aware of? Come on. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, you're almost there. <laughs> They're going to be aware of the problem, right? The mistake that most marketers make is they start talking about the solution, that we're amazing. If you've got the problem, if you knew what the solution was, you would have fucking solved it, <laughs> right? Talk about the problem. Is my mum here? Because she hates me swearing. She's still at the front. <laughs> uh, so the only time she comments on my stuff is when I say a swear word in my um, videos. Yeah, I'll just do it to just check that he's watching. A story is conveying information through the rise and fall of emotions. Yeah, so, I mean, if you attach emotion to something, that's how people will remember it. It's as simple as that. We spend half of our time, okay, I just told you that, yep. Okay, so this is just to back up what I'm talking about, so you don't think I'm crazy, right? So when you, somebody tells a story, it does actually release, this goes back to our childhood, right? It releases dopamine in our brain, and the cortex activity is basically, like that's, that's at the, um, the reptilian part of the brain, where it's like, we all have that, and we can't deny it. It works quicker than the front of our brain. And I'm going relatively quickly, but we, we need to um, understand that our audience doesn't necessarily have our perspective, and so we have to be empathetic, and the best way to do that is through storytelling. Um, I also want to touch on a couple of tactics. So, does anybody know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Awesome, okay, cool. Follow Gary Vaynerchuk, by the way. He's, like, he's spot on with most of the things he says. And he cusses more than me. And he cusses more than me, yeah. Well, cuss, it, I even say cusses now. Curiosity and intrigue. <coughs> so sharing some thoughts with anything on a new trend I'm thinking about starting. So, and then the, the headline, the new trend I'm thinking about. Immediately you're thinking, what's this new trend? Play. The aim of the caption is to get people to press play. The aim of the first two seconds of the video is to get people to watch the first 10 seconds of the video. The aim of the first 10 seconds of the video is to get people to watch the whole minute. By the time minute's over, over 50% of your audience, on average, is gone. They're not watching anymore. 
So if you, if you watch the first minute of somebody's video and they're like, oh, oh hi, hi LinkedIn, here I am, I'm Nathaniel, it's good to see you, I hope you're doing well. Um, so today what I'm going to talk about is um, what we were actually going to talk about, that, how much is that, 15 seconds, 20 seconds? They've lost most of their audience already. You want to get straight into it because people's attention is just changing so quick. <clears throat> Awesome, add value. Okay, this, this one I'm gonna take a bit more time to go through, I think. Uh, it's probably the most, I mean, they're all important. All these components are important, um, but adding value is a mentality. And I think if you get that right, the other ones fall into place. <clears throat> and it does come down to storytelling, because it's not easy to craft these things and craft these messages in a way that it, it's easy for people to consume. You have to make an effort, and that's what really what adding value is. It's being able to have enough empathy to communicate something in a way that someone's going to be able to digest it. Like if your strength is not writing content, if you, when you write content, people find it hard to understand, then you shouldn't write like you should do it by a video or do it by audio. You know, it might be easier for you because you don't have to get in front of a camera, but if you, it's not communicating to your audience, just be mindful of it. What you want to say and what you're interested in the, the, um, the bit in the middle there is called relevance, right? Has anybody heard of an engagement pod before? Yeah? Exactly. Okay, so an engagement pod is a group of people that get together. There might be 20, could be 100, could be 200. It's really up to whoever organizes it. They post a link to their social media post. <clears throat> Everybody else in the group will like and comment on that link in exchange for them getting likes and comments back. <clears throat> and so people ask me um, a lot what I think of engagement pods. What's my view on them? Like, you know, because people are very quick to like put things in a category. And I don't have a problem with engagement pods. I have a problem with um, inauthentic engagement because you're creating these, like, these fake influences. It's manipulation. It's exactly the same as saying, I'm a best-selling author. But you put yourself in like, this category no one's ever heard of. You sold two books and you were the best on that day and you're getting up in front of audiences telling everyone that you're extremely popular by my book you know I think that's very manipulative relevance I think engagement pods is a great idea if the people in them are relevant to what you do and it's and they've got the same audience as you absolutely because if you if they're not then your news feed's going to fill up with all this irrelevant crap you're going to get focused on the wrong areas and you're actually never going to learn what your target audience wants to see because you're getting likes and comments anyway because you're liking everyone else's stuff <clears throat> just stick at it if you stick at it long enough you will learn what your audience responds to once you get that then you're off to the races that's the way social media works because every audience is different you've got to really learn by experimenting <clears throat> so there's only really four ways um, to add value through content. You might want to jot these down or take a photograph of something. Information, inspiration, entertainment, and education. <clears throat> so on LinkedIn, I don't know, what do we think? Most of, it, most of it's probably education or information, isn't it? Inspiration and entertainment, though, if it's done you know, appropriately, can have a lot of cut through because not many people are doing it. So what I suggest doing is when you come up with your content marketing plan is you segment your content into these four different areas. 
And it could be as simple as Monday, I'm gonna do an information post. Tuesday, I'm gonna do an inspiration post. Thursday, do entertainment. Friday, I'll do education. Then you just map it out. Then you, you put all the topics in your calendar at the start of the month. Voila, you've got a content marketing plan. You're being focused, you're not being unfocused. Your solution has no value. Hi, mum, she's back. Sorry, the solution has no value without the problem that it solves. Going back to what I was saying before about um, not talking about your solution all the time to your audience, because I think a lot of people, a lot of people, and this does get raised a lot, is um, they'll say, well, how do I talk about stuff that's not relevant, like not product specific, not company specific on my social media channels? And this, this is really the answer. Because if you think about it, right, the only reason someone would pay you money for your service is if they think the value of what you're providing is more than the money that they give you for it, right? They think that what you're providing is worth more than the problem they have. That's where the value is. Without the problem, it's not worth anything, what you offer, right? So talk about the problem. It shows them that you understand that you're empathetic. You un understand how they feel as well. So you're not just talking about, oh yeah, so like you're a financial advisor, right? And yeah, it sucks, you've got no money, right? And you know, we can help you like make more money with self-managed super funds and all that sort of stuff. How does it feel when you have no money? What's the impact it has on your family? What's it like not knowing how you're gonna pay the bills at the end of the month? Like you really dive into it that deep, they'll go, hey, this guy gets me. So with all of my posts, if you follow me, you'll start to notice a, follow, a pretty um, clear trend. I always start with a problem. Most marketers see the value, um, but have trouble convincing the board or CEO to shift budget over to LinkedIn. It's a huge problem for marketing managers. They just can't convince the board of directors or the people above them to stop spending money on TV and media and newspapers and start spending it on social. And you know, it goes on, but um, always start with a problem. Again, it just starts with a problem. You see the way that I've written that? Has anybody noticed that it's um, shaped a little bit like a wave? Why do you think I might have done that? Done that? So yeah, it's like, it's like, um, it's like writing a sympathy symphony, right? Because <laughs> if you do the short, longer sentences and then they get shorter, it actually builds momentum and the way that people read it is it, it, it's almost like that um, uh, music score behind like an action scene when you watch a movie. That's right, a cadence, that's the word I'm looking for, perfect. And then you finish with like a call to action or a worldview or something that's going to inspire emotion so that it drives engagement. Because whatever you finish on, People get that far through the post is what they're going to react to and whether or not they like or comments. LinkedIn has hashtags, obviously. That's pretty much the only way you're going to be able to find historical posts is by clicking on a hashtag and looking through previous content. So I think you should have your own hashtag so that people can find content from you know, three months ago, six months ago if they want to. You can use hashtags to get more traffic. I, I still think it's very early days for LinkedIn. It doesn't seem to bring in that much. Um, but if you are going to use them, use generic ones like, you know, LinkedIn or blockchain or don't go too specific because not many people will see it. To stop me using your hashtag. Nothing. Yeah, people can use it all the time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it would work well, yeah. It's a good idea in that case, absolutely, Bruno. Like, but a lot of people will just use it because they think, oh, I'm just going to get heaps of traffic because I use the same hashtag. I haven't got that many people following it, believe me. Um, but yeah, they're more than welcome to. At the end of the day, those, their post is not 
like the, the posts that will get to the top are the ones with the most engagement. So, so, <laughs> so this is step 4.5, context. I realize there's an eighth step, so. <laughs> Gary V again, bless him. If context is king, context is God. So context means, first of all, it means like the platform that you're on. You need to be respectful of the way that people consume content on the platform. What I post on LinkedIn, there's no chance it'll get any engagement on Instagram. You know, I've got to be completely different on Instagram because people are consuming content differently and my audience is different as well. Completely different on Instagram. I actually didn't have an Instagram strategy until I think it's almost two years ago now when I decided to make it public. There's a lot of attention on the platform. Like there's a lot of people looking at it. It doesn't translate into as much business, but that's just my market. But I found it's a very effective way of getting in touch with celebrities or like speakers or you know, key decision makers. Because I do this interview series called LinkedIn Heroes where I interview entrepreneurs making an impact. And I've always just, you know, there's a bit of a challenge. It's like, I want to get these famous like entrepreneurs that I respect. Like I grew up following Tony Robbins and Dr. John Martini and Jack DeLosa and Grant Cardone and all these guys. And I was like, well, well, you know, how do I get them on my series, right? And so you just, I was just gradually getting more well-known entrepreneurs to interview. And before you know it, I am getting interviews with all these guys. And it's all through personal branding and it's all through social media. But they do know as well, when I get there, that I'm going to add value. They know that it's not, I'm not looking for something out of it for me. You know, and people will always say to me, oh, why do you interview Cohen Ray? Why'd you, what are you trying to get out of it? And they misunderstand, I'm not trying to get anything, I'm just trying to add value to my audience. And that's, that's where content marketing comes in. That's why so many people struggle with it, because the people that are unsuccessful at content marketing are thinking, what's in it for me? And they need to be th thinking about, how can I help more people? They're looking for opportunities to, to add value to people. That's what's successful. And it doesn't show immediately, but in the long run, the results are there, believe me. So I've experienced it. The first year or two I was doing it, it was, it was hard because everyone was saying, what are you doing that for? And I wasn't getting any results. But then they started to come in slowly. I started to see the results and I got a little bit of insight and then I go, nah, Gary Vaynerchuk's correct. And I'll just go all in. Now I've got videographers working with me all the time. It's a huge investment, but long-term, there'll be no competition. It's blue ocean. I've already experiencing it. Like I'm not meeting with, you know, when I meet with a client, it's very rare that they're like, oh yeah, we're meeting with three other providers and we're just going to choose which quote we like the best and we'll, you know, can't you do something on the price? That doesn't really happen anymore because they're following my content. It's almost the other way around. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. I mean, most of the sales are done over the telephone these days. 50% of LinkedIn traffic, it's got to be higher than that, surely. Anyway, so you've got to focus on mobile devices so going back to the way i wrote that post like if you write it in big blocks of text it's not easy to read on a mobile device so if you just do one sentence per paragraph it makes it a lot easier to digest if you're on a mobile also you've got to look at how, the way that video is displaying i've noticed recently that a portrait videos are taking up the whole screen on linkedin so i was always doing landscapes i'm going to switch to doing portraits because if that's where it's displaying on a mobile device and 57 percent if not more people are consuming content that way it's going to take up more real estate, right? It seems like a little thing, but that makes a huge difference. You know, on Instagram, you know, Instagram stories, the amount of people that don't bother watching it, if your videos, that, like you have to turn your phone that way just to watch it, it's huge. 
because pe people don't want to do that. <laughs> Context. So this is what you guys told me about what you wanted to learn while you were here. It's about listening to the insights that your audience give you. One of the reasons that Gary Vaynerchuk is so successful is when he posts his content, he creates a big piece of content, it goes down into like 20, 30 videos, he posts it, his team look at all of it and go, okay, which ones get the most engagement? What are people saying about it? Which part of the content are they resonating with? So he came out, he's talking about business when he you know, first got into, well, he was talking about wine first, but then he got into business. And then all of a sudden people are talking about all their insecurities and people are talking about relationships and he's never came into it to do, talk about any of that stuff. But that's where he's getting engagement. That's where the community is telling him they want more information. And so all of a sudden they create more content about that and they get more. And so because they're learning from the insights the community's given him, he's just skyrocketed. That's the edge that he's got. If you're just putting out content but you're not thinking about the context and you're not thinking about engaging with the users that are consuming it, you're not going to get that insight. You're not going to... At the end of the day, you're not going to add as much value. Does that make sense? Being remarkable is quite simply creating content that people will make a remark about, right? So you, got, you can't afford to be boring. You can't be boring because who's going to talk about boring piece of content? You've got to swear in your posts. Everybody is talking about content marketing and marketing, right? So what, what's going to happen is we're going to be creating so much content. All these marketing agencies who don't have any experience doing this stuff before because it's all new are now offering content marketing. We're about to be buried in crap. There's going to be that much content, content out there that's rubbish. The only way to differentiate yourself is to create meaningful, good quality content. Like It has to be really good because there's enough rubbish out there. So you don't want to just be like outsourcing it to the cheapest company and getting rubbish put together because it just won't work. There's so many other people doing it. My friend over there, over here, is what a lot, of, a lot of people do when they don't understand something. The reality is like this is an area you have to understand if you want to be successful in business. It's really important. This is not the answer. Sticking your head in the sand. And I've heard all of the excuses under the sun. Everything is, all the information's on Google and then it's about finding people that you resonate with, the following their content, that are actually doing what, they're actually in the market. Because if they're not in the market, they, you're not, not gonna be able to keep up with the trends. What I taught in um, a LinkedIn training course eight months ago, 40% of the content has changed now, in eight months. So people say, oh yeah, I went to one of your courses a year ago. Yeah, well, 40% of what you're doing is wrong then, you know? <laughs> because it's just changed. The consumer's in control these days. So People have got more choices and less time. So that's why they don't give up about your content. Because they, that's what happens when you don't have enough time and you've got all the choices in the world. I went um, to Margaret River a couple, uh, what was it, two weeks ago for my mum's birthday with the family. We saw a few of these things. Cows. Hadn't seen them in a while. But uh, I didn't stop and take a photograph of this cow. This one's from the internet because I just, I've seen cows before. If I saw a cow like this, I probably would have stopped and taken a picture. Seth Godin. Seth Godin. Correct. Purple Cow. Great book. If any of you haven't heard of Seth Godin, he wrote a book called The Purple Cow. And it's about being remarkable, about creating remarkable content. What's your purple cow?
Do you guys know? Because if you don't have one, maybe it's time to create one because that's what the sort of thing that people will create a remark about. Maybe you should start swearing in your videos when you do talks. I don't know. So how do we create remarkable content? This is quite a straightforward um, process, really. Um, three steps. So start with the eyes. People are, are generally visual. Okay, we've got some statistics. So almost 50% of your brain is involved in visual processing. 70% of all your sensory receptors are in your eyes. And we can get a sense of a visual scene in less than a tenth of a second. Design becomes important. The way that something looks, the images that you use. If you're posting a video on LinkedIn, when we we'll talk about that platform specifically, what's the thumbnail? Does anybody know how to put a thumbnail on LinkedIn videos, by the way? No. Cool. Well, all it does is it just takes the first second of your video and it publishes that. So if your first second of your video is you turning the camera on <laughs> or an empty balcony because you haven't gotten shot yet, is someone going to watch it? Probably not. You've got to make sure that the first clip, so you can, you can overlay a picture at the start and overlay a thumbnail. But it makes a big difference. We've got less time. We've got more choices. Are we going to click on something you know, which has just got an, nobody in the shot? Probably not. Start with the eyes, appeal to the mind. People want to, uh, they, pop, they want information that is easy to digest. It doesn't need to be too complicated. It can be interesting and um, build novelty is a word that I like. Don't overcomplicate, because if you overcomplicate something, it sets off that reptilian fight or flight part of the brain and people don't like that. And you kind of, that's where you start to lose. And you don't want to go into too much detail. If you go into too much detail, again, people, it shuts off the, the fight or flight. If somebody is engaging on your content and they're asking for like specific you know, information about what you're talking about, just take that conversation offline or take it into the private messages. You want to be taking people higher level when you communicate with them on social media. Because if you go higher level, there's more things you can agree on. If you go lower, there's more things you can disagree on. Does that make sense? Because you're being more specific. This is where we want to end up, in the heart. So we start with the eyes, appeal to the mind, end up in the heart. And that's by driving emotion. Like if you tell a story that drives emotion, everything that went into the eyes and into the mind goes straight down to the heart and it's remembered. That's where they don't forget it. This might be another slide that would be a good one to take a photograph of. This content won't be posted online or anything like that because... Okay, step number six, stop selling. Oh, this is a bit controversial, isn't it? <laughs> what does he mean? The ones who know about Gary Vaynerchuk will know jab, jab, right hook. Muhammad Ali knows how to do jab, jab, right hook. Jab. Right? So this was a video of somebody's LinkedIn profile video with Liam Nelson in it. I'm not going to sell anything with a post like that. That's a jab. The secret to content that converts, giving people free information, that's another jab. Adding value, adding value. Not getting leads from your LinkedIn profile. Most people can see their profiles getting views, but they're not getting leads. They will say things like, blah, 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 you can get where I'm going. That, and it ends with, put, your, put a comment below with checklist if you would like to get a copy of my profile optimization checklist. That's the right hook. That's where I'm capturing people's information 
so that they can go into my database and if you know they work their way through the customer journey, they'll end up buying from me. So the only way that I can give somebody a right hook is if I give them a few jabs first, otherwise they're not gonna be there. So you've got to make sure you're doing the adding value part. And it's not, it's not jab, jab, right hook anymore, to be honest. It's jab, 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 right hook. You've got to be adding a lot of value. <laughs> so it's a lot of work. I'm not... Stop selling, start helping. That's basically what I'm getting at. Help people buy. People want to buy. They want to buy. They've got a problem. They want to solve it. They just don't want someone to sell to them. They want someone to help them buy. It's a big, small, small distinction, but it makes all the difference. Monetize, Grand Cardone. All right, so the reason that I think this is really important is because the only way that you're gonna be able to sustain this long-term is if it's generating return on investment. If it's not generating return on investment, it will not last. <laughs> you're not gonna do anything meaningful. You're gonna restrict the amount of people you're able to help. Money is just an exchange of value. If you're adding enough value, you should be earning a lot of money. The way that social media works is it creates more conversations. Conversations should create relationships. And we, we know that relationships produce sales. So if it's not working for you, if social media is not working for you, which part are you getting is not working? Is it social, are you getting conversations from social media? So if you're not doing that, you know, is, it, is it because you've got the wrong audience or you're not creating content, you're not doing the right hook, you're not doing the jabs first? What is it? Because it's one of those things. And then conversations should create relationships unless you're pissing people off, right? So what are your conversations like? And I mean, I'm not a sales coach, but your sales strategy, like your, what you say on the telephone to somebody when they're a prospect should be as planned out as your content marketing strategy. I mean, why, why wouldn't it be? You know, everyone's different, yes, but you need to get the same information from them. And to be honest, you can't, you don't want to help everyone. You don't want to help people that don't have the problem that you solve. There's so many people out there that do have the problem that you solve. It won't last if they haven't really got a genuine problem. You don't want to try and manipulate and push something into something. You want to find out quickly if they have the problem. So what questions can you ask somebody to find out whether or not they have the frustration that you solve? So I'll give you an example. So when uh, myself or anybody selling, doing sales for me uh, speaks to a new client, they say, so that I can work out whether or not it makes sense for us to do business together, do you mind if I ask a few questions and take some notes while I go? So that does a few things. It frames the conversation. It lets them know that you've got a plan, so they're in good hands. They're like, oh, okay, cool, I can just relax. And you're gonna take notes, you're gonna listen to what they have to say, not just talk at them. Because we all know you should be listening when you're doing sales, right? And then I'll be like, okay, so what's the number one frustration in your business at the moment? It's a very high level question, but the way, that I, the way that I've asked that question allows them to pretty much interpret it and say whatever they want next. You don't want to be saying, oh, you know, are you frustrated with your LinkedIn content marketing at the moment? It's too specific. It doesn't give people the freedom to be able to, and it's a predisposition. You're sort of leading the conversation if you do that. In order to generate a return on investment from content marketing, we have to know, first of all, how to grow a business. And there's only three ways to do it. There's only three ways. There's only three ways to grow a business. I've, I pondered this for many years, and this is the three ways. You get more clients, you get increase your transaction size, or you get people to buy more often. The trick is, the way to get exponential growth that I've found in my business, and it's what, what I call profit optimization, is when you increase the number of clients you get by 10%. 
could everyone, if they really put their minds to it, in the next 12 months, increase the number of clients that they have by 10%. It's not that challenging, is it? Transaction size, so the price that you're charging your clients. Would it be possible that you could increase your price by 10% over the next 12 months? It's not that big a jump. If you're creating content that adds value and you're the thought leader, shouldn't you increase your prices? Could you get people to buy 10% more often? Could you add another product that solves the problem that you're already helping them with? Or is there another problem that all your clients have that you could help them with? Is there something you could do to increase the frequency by 10%? Let's do some math. So number of clients, let's say you're only earning, so 240 grand business, 12 clients, average sales, 10 grand, they buy twice. Pretty straightforward. So if you increase it, from 12 to 16, what's that, 30% or something? Is that right? 33 and a third percent. So then you've got the average sale increased by 20% and the frequency by 25%. Doubled the revenue. So what I think most people, when they don't think about the three ways to grow a business is they just keep focusing on the number of clients or one area and not thinking about the other ones. This is like um, where you get like, um, what's it called? Um, compounding. And again, like if you keep growing at that rate, you'll be at a million bucks in no time. So I mean, it has to be done in a couple of years relatively easily if you plan it properly. And so what I'm suggesting is content marketing can basically do all three for you. They can increase the number of clients. You're gonna get more visibility. You're gonna get more inquiries. It's just, it's just a given. And the people that are already inquiring, they're gonna be seeing your content. So you can put your average sale up. There's gonna be less competitors. They're gonna buy more often. You, I mean, your closing rate's gonna go up. And if you start like adding products and things like that, if you, because you, if you think about it, content marketing is a way for you to communicate with your customers you know, on scale that you can't do any other way. So you're gonna be learning more about your customers than you ever learned before. So you're gonna get the insights to be able to work out what additional, um, just, just one second, additional um, uh, services you can offer. Yes, question. How do you get a third of a client? Sorry? It's a really good question. <laughs> it's a very good one. If your business is not growing, it is dying. Does anybody know how many businesses fail within the first 10 years? It's, it, no, it's, it's, it's over 90% in, in, in the US as it is in Australia. In the US, it's five years, 90%. Businesses are gone. So if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're in trouble because what everyone else is doing is not working, <laughs> right? But what do we do? We, we look at what everyone else is doing and we copy it. That's not what you should do. Hmm, I'd be really concerned if that's what's happening. You've got to be doing something completely different because by the time that they all think it's a good idea, it's gonna to be too late. And so diving into content marketing gives you a competitive edge because everyone's sitting on the fence is going, oh yeah, but there's only a few people doing it. I mean, there was a lot of us doing it, you know, 
but they're still sitting on the fences because they've got this bias towards what worked before. And you can't afford to have a bias to what worked before in this economy. Things are changing faster than ever. If you think that you're going to be able to um, go back, like if you think that social media is a fad now, and you're going to go back to the days where you can knock on doors and you're entertaining clients by taking them out for a glass of champagne, I mean, those days are gone. They're over. It's people don't communicate like that, even if they want to. And the younger generation, I mean, they're, they're spending more time already on their mobile devices than they are in the real world. You know, when, I mean, I'm doing it myself, but when I walk around, I'm always looking, I'm thinking, what am I looking at this thing for? Constantly, you know? What platforms are the younger generation using? Snapchat, TikTok, all these ones with like instant content, that's where it's all heading. <clears throat> so you can't afford not to learn about this stuff, and if you go quicker than everyone else, you'll get the competitive edge. Because by the time the big companies move in, all of the brands that are spending loads of money on TV and stuff, it's going to be extremely hard to compete. And, then, you know, and I agree with the fact that they won't know what to do at the start, but they'll learn because they'll get the experts in. They've got the money to do it. And IBM or Ericsson or <clears throat> any of these big companies, they could be creating like 10,000 pieces of content a day. All they need to do is tell every employee, create a bit of content today, bang. You know? or, or they could be creating a piece of content for every industry and every job title. And so the, the relevancy is so high because they'll be able to like, display that, that content to the right people. It's extremely powerful what they could do. None of them are doing it yet, none of them. Uh, at best, they're spending like 5% of their budget maybe. Because the old model is you create one big awesome bit of video, you drive everything to it and hope that it converts. But you don't need to do that anymore. You can create 100 videos, one for you, one for you, one for you. It's relevant because if you do something little, like if you have, have an ad in targeting people in Melbourne, you say, hi, Melbourne, you say something about Melbourne in the ad, the conversion rate's a lot higher than if you don't mention Melbourne at all because of the relevancy. So if you say, hi, are you in Melbourne? Are you a lawyer? Are you living in this suburb? Are, are you overweight? You know, and all these things which are relevant to that person, the chance of that, them converting is a lot higher. It's really important. Um, don't do what everyone else is doing. If you, if you are doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing something wrong. This is what Mark Zuckerberg had to say about risk. He says, the biggest risk is not taking any risk. In a world that's changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking any risks. If you don't make a decision on something, right, is that a decision? Yes, yes it is. And it is the only decision that is guaranteed to be the wrong one. Because if you do A and it doesn't work, you know which is the right decision. You've just learned. It's B, because <laughs> they didn't work. But if you do B and it works, great. But if you do nothing, you, got, you, don't know, you, you have no insights, you're not, definitely not gonna get it right. The trick is to make more decisions quicker. That's how you learn quicker. And with content marketing, like I'm making mistakes so quickly, that's why I'm able to learn as I'm going. Because like, we don't have any of this mapped out for us. Most of the time, like we've got, we can follow people like Gary Vee and stuff like that, but most of the time, by the, things, by the time the things ends up in a textbook and they're taught at university, it's out of date. Like first year in university, when I'm in, it was a while ago now, but first year in university, I remember ordering my first pizza, right, online. And I didn't do one unit for five years in a marketing degree about online marketing. That's how long it takes for them to like get even one unit about it. By the time I left university, oh, everything was online. I didn't do any marketing, any offline marketing since I left uni.
It's all online. It was search engine optimization, then it was Google AdWords, then it was social media, email marketing. These are the seven steps, or seven and a half steps, whichever way you look at it. Strategy, attention, influence, add value, be remarkable, stop selling, monetize. A mother, could we please draw the door prize? Could you pick a couple of winners for us? Or bring the list up for me? Social Selling Conference, by the way, is an event, a full day event next year where there'll be guest speakers yet to be defined. Like there'll be about, it'll be about selling in the social media. I know I said stop selling, but it's about uh, social media for business. So how do you generate a return on investment from social media? Because there's a lot of social media conferences that you go to, right? And they teach you how to get likes and followers and engagement, but it doesn't talk about business Those are the cards. outcomes. Okay. I've got a few that didn't have cards. Oh, okay. <laughs> but well, they, they won't win then, will they? <laughs> All right. Is this stuff valuable, guys? Yeah. Cool. Bruno, would you pick a card for me, please? If it's you, then we'll have to disqualify you. Okay, we've got one. I, can, I know you can see the color of your card. So I don't know. <laughs> What's this one? Okay, so for the LinkedIn Insider membership, we have a card with no name on it. 3X5X7. Congratulations. Well done. Round of applause for 3X5X7. And the social selling conference ticket goes to Nikita Davis. Well done. I should hold on to these, shouldn't I? I don't know why I'm giving them to you. I think I'll remember your one. Gerald. There you go. Gerald. Thank you. All right. I'll take these two and then thank you. So we've got 15 minutes now for Q&A before I'm going to go get a beer. If anyone wants to join me, more than welcome. Are you buying? <laughs> Depends how many people come. <laughs> uh, there's always one. Yes. Hang on. There's a lot of talk at the moment about the difference between written content and images versus uh, videos. Uh, what's your take on, on the, uh, the value of one versus the other? Yeah, video is the best at the moment. On, uh, on LinkedIn specifically? Or? Um, any channel. Yeah. Um, so it's not, they're not the same on every channel. Um, LinkedIn, the reason I say video is just because the algorithm favors it. So it, like if you're not comfortable or you don't think you can do good videos, don't force yourself to do it. Written form works as well if it's done well. Um, but you know, video gets the most traction. I do, I do all of them because I think it's better to have a holistic approach. On Instagram, I find the pictures work better, you know. Um, but I do do videos as well, yes? LinkedIn Live's been rolled out in the States and a whole bunch of beta testers around the world are using LinkedIn Live. They've, got, they've had a number of uh, challenges with the, I don't know, bugs or crawlers or whatever. So like before they roll it out to everyone and have everyone posting live content, they need to make some changes. Sorry? What's the ETA? Yeah, I mean, I, I was told three months ago, six months ago, so, you know. It already is, yeah. yeah. 
and when live comes out, that'll be the most um, valuable way to create content because we, that LinkedIn knows that people want immediate content. So if it's live, it, it is immediate, right? And so I'm planning to, like I have a series called Ask Nat. Actually, a lot of these videos, like question and answers, will be Ask Nat episodes. So people ask a question with the hashtag Ask Nat, create a video that answers it. Pretty straightforward. The plan is when LinkedIn Live video comes out to make that live so that people can interact you know, while I'm recording it. So it just means I'm going to have to be consistent. I have to do it at the same time every week. People do it on Facebook. Yeah. Yes? Uh, background. Is that important? Background. When you're videoing. Yes. Is the background important? Because I've heard it is. And yeah. Some say it isn't yeah, it is important. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to not being boring. So if what you're saying is so exciting and that important that it doesn't matter what's behind you, then just so that people focus on what you're saying, then, then that's what you should do. It shouldn't be any distractions because you want people to focus on where their value is. But if you do it outside or you do it in an interesting place, it's different. I think that the, the biggest mistake you can make, and this is just my personal opinion, I don't want to like say this is categorically wrong, but going into a studio and reading off a teleprompter you know, and, and just with a white background and everything just looks like it's just done for TV. It doesn't come across as authentic and it's not that interesting because you're just acting or reading off a prompter. That sort of stuff doesn't seem to do very well on social media. It's not like TV either. Like people don't want to go to social media to see some polished mega Hollywood production. That's not why they're there. When I started making videos, I got really hung up on my intro video, right? Like I had the flashing lights and like all this stuff. And I realized that no one gave a shit about my intro video. They just wanted to get the good content, right? So now I, like, and it makes me feel good when I watch it. I'm like, oh yeah, look at that, I'm awesome. That, got the music going. And I feel great about it. I want to show everyone, but no one wants to, <laughs> no one's interested. Because they want to get straight to the content. So, I don't, you know, the longer your intro video is, the more people you're going to lose. Um, yes? You said in the beginning that many uh, content marketers struggle convincing their boards or management team to invest in it. Yep. Somewhere reflects the fact that miraculously there are companies out there with employees older than 40 years old <laughs> who are in decision-making positions. So I don't want to sound sarcastic, but I guess but the challenge is how do you create content that influences the decision-makers and not just the younger people who spend half of their time on their phone anyway and, and make that valuable then towards converting that market yeah. into leads and, 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 and sales. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask somebody over 40, right? Like you have to ask them, like, you know, if you've got existing clients or, you know, or if you don't, you can reach out to them, but you literally have to ask them, like, how do I add value to your life through content? And just, you have to find out, like, because it's, it's not, there's no simple answer, unfortunately. Well, it depends, I mean, who your target audience is. I mean, if you've got... If you've got like a very broad target audience, it actually makes sense if you can to, to try and narrow it down and niche because it makes your marketing so much more effective because you don't have to cater for everyone then. You can just focus on one. When I set up link, my LinkedIn marketing agency seven years ago, people thought I was absolutely nuts because there was no LinkedIn marketing agency. They're like, what, you can make enough money just doing LinkedIn? But nobody else was doing it. Like if you search for LinkedIn marketing, I was at the top of Google. I've got every job in, in Australia. And now I've been doing it the longest, so I'm the, you know, 
the most sought after. So it's fantastic. But um, to answer your question, there's going to be a way. Like they are consuming content. They are spending time on there. Um, and there's more people involved in the decision-making process. If I were you, I would use LinkedIn to find them, target CEOs in certain industries, and then I would connect with them, and then I would send them a message saying, hey, I just want to pick your brains. Could we grab a coffee? Yeah, there must be commonality, no matter what services or products you talk about. So probably content marketers like yourself in the market who specialize in influencing all the decisions Absolutely. in companies rather than just a generic Of course, yeah. Absolutely. Most of my business is not content marketing, it's lead generation. It's just setting up those appointments. You know, but there's, I mean, there's all sorts of different marketing agencies out there. Um, yeah. With the video, yes. does it pay to have the subtitles or captions? Yes, yeah, about? it does. Look, if, the thing is, people will watch the video, but they won't hear it if there's no, because 80%, I think it's 80% of people on LinkedIn have no audio one when they're watching videos. It's, it's already high across other social channels, but it's higher on LinkedIn because a lot of people watch it at work. I, well, I assume that's why. So they must be watching it and they go, oh, that looks really good, but they don't even know what you said. <laughs> so <laughs> they may even like it. I, 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 quote, I laugh sometimes when people comment and you can tell that they haven't watched the video because you know, <laughs> they haven't got the message at all. Um, but that's what a lot of people do. A lot of people aren't watching the whole video. They, they don't have time and they've got more choices. And so um, I think that you want to move people down a customer journey. So you want them to hear what you say, add subtitles. There's a great site called rev.com, R-E-V, dollar a minute. That's awesome. YouTube, like, they're great at creating subtitles now. If the audio is good enough, uh, quite often I'll just use the subtitles from YouTube. YouTube also gets quite good in, uh, visibility on LinkedIn. Because generally speaking, if you put a link that takes people off of LinkedIn, uh, the post won't do as well because people don't want, uh, LinkedIn doesn't want people to leave as a general rule. But I've noticed that YouTube is doing all right these days. It's a pretty good way to get longer form content in the feed because you can't post anything longer than 10 minutes on LinkedIn. So if you want to post a longer video, put it on YouTube, share it. It's an effective way to do it. Yep, got time for a couple more. LinkedIn paid advertising is great if your average transaction value is over $15,000. That's what I found so far, because it's expensive. But the quality is, of the leads is, is pretty high. So you need to have a decent average transaction size to warrant the investment. Otherwise, Facebook's great. Like you can remarket your LinkedIn connections on Facebook. That's awesome. I mean, that's a really fantastic way to target people on both platforms. It's a huge, like that's probably the most valuable thing that I've discovered in marketing in the last five years. Sorry? The best, well, the best way to do it is start, is start by getting people who come to your website, get the cookie, the Facebook cookie on your website so that you can start displaying ads to them on Facebook when they come to your website. That profile optimization checklist drives people to my website. At, like, if you didn't have remarketing, you would only be able to give people emails when they fill out the form. 5%, 10% of people might fill out the form. Well, it's going to be higher than that from LinkedIn, but generally speaking, a website converts at 5% if it's really good with all the traffic that it gets. Now, you can convert it 100% because every single person that goes to the website gets a cookie dropped in their browser. And so you can remarket to every single person that goes to your website. It's huge. I mean, I only get, I only get 500 odd people go to my website a month, but every single one of them is getting remarketed to all the time. Well, if they have a Facebook account. Yes? <laughs> 
Yeah. So what do you think of them and um, will LinkedIn bring out anything like stories? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Facebook and then That's a really good question. I think that it needs to, it depends, like when, once you understand the nuances of the platform, you'll be able to look at a piece of content and go, is that, is that okay for LinkedIn? Most, most of the time, it might just be that you just need to change the caption. Quite often, like I will post the same videos and I just change the caption a bit to make it relevant to business. Because if you post business content on Instagram, it's just not gonna do that well. It doesn't even matter if you've got a business audience. Like, You've got to communicate with wider, a wider um, framework than that because it's a. How you can capture? You want to say if someone's following you on Instagram, they might say there's no point following them on Facebook if we're getting exactly the same content. Yeah, they. Providing some diversity for the same person. Would you say that's on the right track, or are we? No, no. I put uh, if it's the same person, the same content would work. Yeah, the average social media user has six social media accounts. And your content should be that good that they're like seeking you out on other platforms. Like it's good to do cross-channel marketing, but they do want to consume your content on multiple channels. Yeah, it's a, it, it's an interesting one. Like I definitely think Instagram's like one that's a little bit different just because of the picture thing. The pictures are so important on, on Instagram, but like you put a picture on LinkedIn, it, you, it's not enough. Like I've seen Instagrammers that like put up a beautiful picture and then the caption's like interesting, it's good, but they try to do that on LinkedIn. and. People see the picture and they're like, What's, what? You're just like posing. <laughs> no, that's not relevant. But if you put like a quote over it, then okay, it's, it's appropriate for LinkedIn. Context. Yeah, that's right. Context. Well done. Someone's paying attention. <laughs> okay. One more question. Algorithms. Yes. changing every six months is that about is that the same they're changing every day yeah every day yeah oh absolutely yeah all the time so the only real thing you can hang your hat on with regards to is the amount of shares yeah, but even that, like, it's, it'll change. Um, the, the, the thing that you've got to remember is just what, because if you keep it aligned with what the objective of the platform is, to give the users a good experience, you can't go wrong. When I first started in search engine optimization, I could get a website to the top of Google through creating all these backlinks, Google updates algorithm, page 100. I learned very quickly that you've got to align with what you know, the platform wants because they're going to get smarter. Like Google is so smart these days. It knows what you're saying in a video. It knows everything. So the only way you can actually win is by giving your users a good experience, by adding value. If you focus on that, it, the rest will just work itself out. But if you start doing that manipulation stuff and getting shares and likes and comments in, from engagement pods, or it's the same as doing backlinks, it's the same thing. It won't work in the long run, and you just get, it, it'll make it so much harder for yourself because you haven't um, actually started building up an audience. If you just do the hard work, and you'll not only will you you build a, a small audience, but you'll also learn along the way what they're interested in. All you need is a thousand followers. If you've got a thousand followers, and they will like, they'll come to see you speak, or they'll you know, if you invite them for, for lunch, they'll come and meet you. A thousand followers is a, more than enough to grow a su successful business. There are 1,000 meaningful fans. That's all you need. You don't need the whole world. You don't want the whole world. You don't want the whole world who like care about you a little bit. You want 
a few people to care about you a lot because they'll be your raving fans and they'll go and communicate that to the rest of the world. And so I think people need to focus really micro and like focus on the people that are already in their audience and then just double down on that and before you know it, people will learn that you add value, that you deliver, you're not taking out of the platform, you're putting into it. And that's so rare, it's just so rare. Yeah, Bruno. Yeah, just a comment about algorithms. You know, because what LinkedIn is offering us, they know exactly what we're doing. Mm. So if well, I press a button here, they know exactly <laughs> that. Correct. So press a button here. So I cannot trick the algorithm. Yeah. We cannot beat the algorithm. That's right. Anyway, whatsoever. Because the algorithm knows more about us than we know about us. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, if we know that yeah. the algorithm is doing this, it's already too late. I, I recommend that you all follow my um, YouTube channel. The reason I suggest that is the only way that I know to keep people up to date with what's changing, because I do keep, pay attention to it. And I couldn't imagine that if someone's in a different industry to keep up to date with social media it would just be, I mean, it's a full-time job. I, I find it hard, but the harder it is for me, the more of a need there is for me to be here helping everyone else. So if you follow the YouTube channel, that, that way you'll um, get the updates and insights when you know, I think it's relevant enough for people to need to know about it. If it's going to affect your business strategy, there'll be videos posted on the YouTube channel about it. We can do one more, yeah. If you post something on LinkedIn, what would be a reasonable response? <laughs> you tell me, a sale? Zero, <laughs> if you got well, you tell me. <laughs> you know, it, it, it comes down to what's your outcome, what's your objective, what, are you, what do you want? Before you start posting any content, you should be able to answer that question. What is your outcome? See, like I've got posts that'll get, go viral, likes and comments, like that Liam, Nelson thing, Liam Neeson thing, sorry, but that doesn't generate any leads. There's no sales. There'll be, there'll be other posts where I just don't get much engagement, and I've got like five messages in my inbox, people wanting to book in training with me. You know, each one's worth five grand. That's a good post in my book, you know. People go, oh, that one didn't get as much engagement as Daniel. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fantastic. It's you know, it's a hook, isn't it? So it's just come. It's, it's everyone's different, and that's why we can't judge others because we don't know what their objective is. Like, if somebody wants to literally win a popularity contest, go and join every engagement pod out there. It's a good idea. You will get the most followers and most engagement. You won't make much money, but if that you know, if that's your objective, power to you. I think it's a great idea. We're all different, right? I'm not going to judge anyone. Well, we'll try not to. It's hard sometimes. All right, guys, that's it. We're going to have to wrap up. Thanks very much for coming.